You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With the pump fake and a one dribble inside to the long two, and he makes it. That's been his game his whole career. But look at him smiling. We go my back. Welcome to another episode of The Long Two. I am Pete Rogers. He is Natty Wallach. And we are a Camillo Stanthony podcast, but occasionally talk fantasy basketball. Natty, how you doing this week? I am well. Howdy and what's up? How are you? I am good. I'm excited to just kind of talk basketball. We don't really have uh, an agenda for, for the pod. We just wanted to kind of pop on and discuss how things have been in the bubble because... It's been uh, a lot is happening. Uh, we've we've seen. I know these games kind of. We initially, obviously, there's some seeding things that we're gonna, you know, that we're planning to play out and all that jazz. But for the most part, I feel like there wasn't, you know, eh, there wasn't like a, a whole bunch that maybe could have happened in this bubble. But I feel like we've seen a lot of things. There's a lot of talking points that have emerged from the first week uh, of the NBA bubble so far. I agree. And I think that the number one question on everyone's minds was, is this going to work? And how is it going to work? And will it be safe? And now that that seems to be in the affirmative, that yes, Yet again, this is another round of tests with no positives. And knock wood. Let's hope this keeps yeah. going. It's yeah. a good example for everyone. This shows that it can work. Um, Obviously, we already know that since it has worked in other spots in the world. But uh, this is good. The NBA is spending money to do this. And now that that question is sort of past us, or at least it's been answered for the nonce, um, now we're sort of looking at the actual teams and what's actually going on. And you're totally right that the seating, like, who cares that the Wizards are playing? Are you kidding me? The Wizards, the fact that the Wizards are, like, losing playoff seeding two teams that aren't in the bubble just further proves that they should not have been in the bubble to begin with. Like they're worse than they, they are were now lower the seeded than, season. Right. They are lower seeded yeah. than the Hornets right now, even though the Hornets aren't there. Right. <laughs> yeah. The Hornets have a better win percentage than the wizard. But I mean, we've sort of known this already. It's just that seeing it in action just sort of shows you like, wow, this is so fucking stupid. This is, but on the other hand, in the West, all of those teams, well, I mean, Sacramento had a good game today. Um, and Memphis has lost three J and doesn't really. Yeah. Which is Memphis. Memphis is kind of, holding on to that eighth seed for Memphis is going to be kind of tough with the trailblazers playing the way they are. Yeah. Memphis is 32 and 37 and Portland is 31 and 38. And Memphis looks like a young team in the playoffs. Like they just aren't there yet. And now that they've lost their 
what second best player, I guess we'll say. Um, It it just doesn't look like they have any real shot. Like I I would sort of be surprised if they hang on. Uh, It seems like Portland and Jesus Christ, maybe these Phoenix Suns are really gunning for that spot. Yeah, uh, I do want to talk the West because I think there's that's the most exciting, uh, obviously, conference to talk about given how many players, sure. how many teams are like are there for the eight. But before we do that, I do want to touch on, I do feel like probably the biggest news right now in the bubble has to do with the Sixers and Ben Simmons. Uh, <laughs> since he no just agenda, huh, Pete? dislocated his <laughs> kneecap. I'm just saying. Let's talk basketball. So the Sixers. When one of the premier <laughs> players in the bubble gets injured and an injury that, you know, I saw Kevin O'Connor for the ringer tweet this out. Like this is what Andrew Bynum had. And it took Andrew Bynum. I think he said like 10 weeks to recover from this. Uh, so it's not exactly like a great thing for, for the Sixers who were already kind of struggling in the bubble to figure out, you know, what, what their team is with this kind of new starting lineup with uh, shake thrown in at, at the point guard position. Yeah. So Ben Simmons's knee came off. That's basically what that. <laughs> This is, I know Dr. Pete is supposed to be the, you know, unbiased non-Celtic person. Natty's just actually being a doctor right now. And, and is like telling us fu- the, 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 the scientific came term. off as the rest of his body. It's crazy. Um, the scientific term is his fucking knee rem- came off his body. But when I looked this up to like you and everybody else, like, Oh, who else has had these? And what's the recovery time? I also learned that it, once you have, this injury, it's more likely to happen again just yeah. because of um, the scarring and the thinning of some of the tendons, I suppose. And that's not great because he already had some back issues earlier this year. Um, so that sucks. Losing a player of Ben Simmons's caliber is terrible. They're, okay, so Ben Simmons in the bubble was averaging 11 points, seven rebounds, and four dimes. Only seven players were equaling or exceeding those averages during the regular season pre-COVID. So that's the sort of player we're talking about. He is absolutely one of the best players in the NBA. The fact that the geometry of the Sixers team has never made sense sort of diminishes how good Simmons is. Totally. Um, Like if he was on a different team, he'd be a much bigger star i think well and they've and they've started to try to do that with shake milton in the starting lineup like they've they've taken ben and played him more at like the four or you know and and utilized his size and quickness there as opposed to having him be the you know the one uh playing him at the one and so you've seen that like hopefully that they were hoping that that shake up would kind of help shake pun intended uh, nice. would help kind of like figure out the kinks that the Sixers have had with Simmons and Embiid since, you know, since those two have, have shared a court together. The problem with Philadelphia is that they have lacked shooting the entire time this experiment has gone on. You know the who point- they would have really helped them? Uh, JJ, JJ Redick, Redick and Jimmy Butler. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. This team, their guards, they lack talent. In if you don't consider Ben Simmons a guard, if you consider him a point forward, their their backcourt is pretty unimpressive. Um, 
And this is the problem that Philly's going to have. Like their starting lineup now with Simmons out is probably going to be something like Shake at the point, Josh Richardson at the two, Tobias at the four, and Embiid at the five. Because Horford and Embiid together just doesn't right. You can't play those really them help together. you. Yeah, it just hasn't gone well. Um, and or at, at least it doesn't seem to have gone well. Maybe this will change things. Who knows? Uh, so then the last spot is has to be a wing spot, and it's going to be what? Furkan Korkmaz, Matisse Tybel. Maybe you Alec put another. Burks. Well, yeah, I mean, like, you could have Jay Rich play the wing and then put, yeah. like, Raul Nito or Alec Burks uh, try to get a little bit more playmaking. But it the thing is, like, Tybal is a defensive guard and he's not a distributor. They just don't have the firepower from the backcourt that they did last year when right. it seemed like they were a pretty successful team. So... Philly is now in a bind because while they didn't lose a shooter, they lost the second most important piece of their team. So now Embiid has to do even more. He's been doing a lot already. This might actually help him do more. If they're going to go one in, four out, and uh, just try to surround Embiid with quote-unquote shooters, that might help him, and it might help the team. But like this is this is an extremely thin team right now unless Tobias Harris rises up to the occasion if he can be like a real like score like he was on the Clippers a max contract guy yeah yeah the, and you know we can hate on it all we want but the, really Josh Richardson didn't live up to expectations this year yeah he has yeah. been shooting well in the bubble though so maybe this will help him too like I can see a path ahead for the Phillies, for the Phillies, for the Sixers, but it's um, it's obviously way more difficult now. Also, because Ben Simmons, his defense is ultra important to that team as well. So yeah. I, you know, like who who the fuck is really going to be guarding some of the elite wing players on this team now? No, it's 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 a huge blow. I mean, and and what you were saying about Joel Embiid is true that we've seen this before, right? We've seen Ben Simmons go down, and then Joel Embiid just be like, and put up MVP numbers, and that's always led to Doctor Pete being like, "All right, these two guys cannot be like you got to Philly's got to trade one of them and build your offense solely around either Simmons or Embiid." So I I wouldn't be surprised if we do see that again, where Joel Embiid comes out like you know whatever it is, a house on fire, is that? But a house can't really move, so I don't understand that one. But but it comes out, you know, guns ablaze. But it goes up, right? But it goes up. There you <laughs> uh, and so I wouldn't be surprised if we do see that kind of again. But it's just, man, I was watching them against the Wizards. And the fact that the Wizards, like the fact that that was a game is... Yeah, it makes me makes me supremely confident with the Sixers staying as the sixth seed and the Celtics getting to play them in the first round. Like I initially was like, oh, I don't want that, but watching them play the Wizards, I was just like, all right, I'm fine. Like give me give me seven rounds, you know, give me a series of this because especially with Simmons, if Simmons is out or still recovering, like you said, who's guarding Tatum? Who's guarding Brown? Who's guard like Thibault is going to get one of those guys and maybe and Kemba, but like you can't shut all those guys and Gordo's is suddenly is, you know, finally kind of getting into his own. And so anyways, it's just like, this is obviously a huge blow to the Sixers and, and not that they had championship aspirations this year. I mean, 
or mm. entering the bubble, I don't think that anyone thought that maybe they could suddenly become like the best team in the East. But this certainly just like, you know, there's no way. I don't think that there's a way that they get out of the first round right now. I am going to play devil's advocate and of try are. to give you two optimistic stats. Okay. So this is just in the bubble. So far, Philadelphia is only 12th best in field goal percentage in the restricted area. That seems weird because Embiid has been doing well. Right. And also, like, they, they, they should be better than that. So maybe a new geometry for the team will help them improve. Um, they are 20th in three-point attempts per game, but they're seventh in three-point percentage. So, again, if this one-in-four-out shooting actually works, maybe their higher volume of three-point attempts will uh, will actually be seen to be unlocking the team. Like, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, shit, we're actually a pretty good shooting team when we're not so focused on making sure that Simmons can be in particular spots at particular times. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, you, that's a good devil's advocate. Those are good numbers and, and some hope for Philly fans, but I'm just looking at like standings, like uh, who of the top four seeds are they going to beat in order to move on? You know, they're not beating the bucks they're not beating the Raptors. They're not beating the Celtics and the heat. Jimmy Butler is going to come for them with like a house on fire. <laughs> and so they're not going to beat them. Like, I just, I don't see without Ben Simmons or even with a banged up Ben Simmons, I don't necessarily see a pathway for the Sixers to be able to tear off whatever four games in a series to win. Like if the Bucks don't have Bledsoe and his defense, but they still have Giannis and Chris Middleton. And actually I mean, the Bucks lost to the, the, to the Nets, okay. so who knows what the fuck they are. Yeah, but the Bucks. Just like the Lakers and the Clippers, to a certain like we right. we spoke about matter. this. Be- yeah, 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 they don't care. They do not care. Um, there, you can see it in their play. They're obviously totally. not playing as well as we know they can. Um, they've also been forced to use like weird lineups. You know, the Clippers don't have Montrez Harrell, and the Lakers are kind of shitty actually. But. Um, <laughs> There's if if everything clicked for Philadelphia and it seems like they could actually hit their ceiling as an Embiid team, then I do think that they're pretty dangerous because Embiid at 100% is still arguably the best defensive player in the NBA. Mm. If he can play like you know, the Hall of Famer that everybody wanted him to be when he first came into the league, then that is going to be a force to be reckoned with. But that all depends on really whether Tobias Harris can make outside shots. If he can't, this team has no chance. So, yeah, weirdly, Tobias is maybe the most important player right now. Yeah. No, I mean, I just I just think for in order for Embiid, for in order for the Sixers to do anything of, of serious note, like, Embiid's going to have to like go on a, you know, Shaq esque. I'm carrying this team to where he's yes. doing it on the defensive end and on the offensive end, which correct. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if that's uh, I don't know. If that, I mean, I think, here's I the think thing. He we, can we've do all that, thought but that he could. That, yeah. That's right, I thing. think he could do that, but I just, I just don't know. I don't know if that's him alone is going to be able to, there's, there's no one in the top four of, 
of the East that I feel like is there's like a, a weakness or, or maybe they're a team that doesn't deserve to be like, if the Pacers bumped out the heat from the fourth seed, then sure. Then I, I think that that's fair, but I think that I don't think that that's going to happen. I mean, the heat have been looking pretty good in my opinion. Yeah, no, the, the heat look great. Um, fucking Duncan they, Robinson is shooting the goddamn lights out. So only two teams in the bubble right now have three players who are shooting uh, 40% or better from three, and it's Miami and it's the Raptors. Each of those teams have three players that are shooting that well from outside. That's pretty nice. Yeah. I would also like to point out that Tobias Harris is shooting six attempts from outside per game, and he has a 39 three-point percentage. Jay Rich is attempting five, and he has a 40%. If both of those guys up that by two or three and keep the ratios, all of a sudden this team is a little bit different. But I guess, like, Al Horford really, it depends on what he can do and how they put him out there. Yeah. Uh, All right, well, I feel like... There are much more fun conversations to be, to be had about the West. Sure, like Miami. Uh, but like, I, but Philadelphia oh, the, is, to Boston people, obviously, you're loving this. Uh, but Philadelphia is such a weird team and has been for so long. And we have so many hopes and dreams tied up with those two, with Simmons and Embiid, that it's almost impossible not to consider. Like, they're, they're a mediocre team by record. Oh, right. Yeah. Like, they... Yeah, no. We, the potential so, is like super exciting. It's just, it's just, yeah. are we going to ever see it with those two sharing a court together? I don't know. If this goes well without Simmons, I imagine they try to trade him for right. outside shooting and perimeter right. defense. Right. I don't know where uh, that is though. Natty, let's let's. I I want to steer the conversation to something that is very true and fond to our hearts on this show. And that is the Trailblazers. And we touched on them a little bit earlier, the Suns as well. I feel like this is the Trailblazers and the Suns, again, are the perfect argument for why the NBA should have just been like, here's the, you know, the eight seed for the Eastern and the West. And then we're going to take the best six teams by record. And you're going, we're going to cut them down the middle three on each side, because if the Suns were in the East, it would be so much more exciting to watch Devin Booker yeah. drain that shot over Paul George and Kawhi Leonard to win that game. I mean, the Suns are undefeated in the bubble, aren't they? Yes. Like, yeah. what, is, what is happening here? Like this, And they have a full complement of players, which you can't say for Brooklyn, Orlando, or Washington. Nor does anyone want to watch those teams play. Oh, my God. Dude, it would wait, be so actually, wait a second. You can't say it about Philly or Indiana either. There's only... There's only the but it's only the three four teams, teams the that actually that's crazy and the that's Bucks don't have Bledsoe. Fucking garbage. The the West. That's amazing. They, oh my god! Can you imagine if the Suns were in the East and were playing? Yeah. Were actually had playoff contention. It just would. It just in a weird situation like this where they're like completely when when you were able to bend all of the rules, right? The NBA should have done this. They should have done this yeah. because there's so much more exciting teams in the West. The 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 having whatever it is, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight teams in the West playing for that eighth seed is stupid. It's so dumb because none of the seven teams ahead of them were gonna fall out. And so if you could have had four of those teams, if you could have had 
Sun Spurs Kings Pelicans playing in the East for the seventh and eighth seed. And then the Grizzlies Trailblazers and, you know, uh, Magic and Nets playing for the seventh and, or playing for the eighth seed in the West. Like that would have been, then you just have Grizzly Trailblazers kind of battling it out. And you would have then Sun Spurs Kings and Pelicans all battling for two now seeds in the East. It just would have been so much more enjoyable. And we would have gotten to see playoff basketball from the Suns. And, and uh, I mean, hopefully we're going to get tr- playoff basketball from the trailblazers. Cause I do think they're going to lock up the eighth seed over the Grizzlies. They just look so good right now. I they love do. Portland. They, do. they look way more complete. Uh, Mello is just setting screens. <laughs> Fucking Carmelo Anthony. Like he's a couple of years ago, he vowed that he wouldn't come off the bench and he wouldn't do all this sort of stuff. And, and like, he didn't like playing power forward when he was with the Knicks. Um, He's doing everything to help the Blazers win. And even though he's not elite anymore, he's so experienced and he's so smart and he's so still kind of clutch. Like he's willing to take yeah. shots, you know? And, and he that takes balls. Drains and not them right in the that. face of the Rockets. Yeah. And, you know, like he's going to have some problems in the playoffs going up against the most elite wings in the game. But, Everybody does. Like that's you know right. I mean you're playing the, that's the everybody's problem. Yeah. Eight teams in the league. Totally. And just to speak up for the Spurs, they're playing with the fifth highest pace so far in the bubble. These are young Spurs. Imagine if they had the Latvian laser still. But Imagine. like these this is a an interesting team. And they have uh, length and they have young guards and they have legs. And if the NBA had just said, okay, the eighth seed in each conference is up for grabs by any team, you would have been able to end up with, you know, Portland and Phoenix getting in sure. playoffs. Sure. That's a, that would have been a great way to do it. Yeah. That's been just been like, here's all, you know, all the same teams are invited. We're not doing Eastern Western conferences to play for, for that eighth seed play. in. there are two playoff spots available. You know, it's up to you guys to win them. And then we'll just, you know, whatever the best record goes to the East because the East sucks and the worst, the worst record goes to the West as the eighth seed or whatever, you know, whatever they decide to do. Um, I, I mean, we talked about it on last week's podcast about these sneaky trailblazers. Cause if, da- I mean, Dame Lillard is obviously Dame Lillard and he and CJ McCollum are both been playing terrific in the bubble. And, and they're just a, po- you know, we know what they are. And you said Carmelo Anthony, obviously, our boy has been stepping right the fuck up. But also, it's been huge to have Zach Collins and uh, Nurkic back. Yes. Because now that, now they have these size, they have, you know, size and down and around the paint, but also playmakers from that position. And it's just like this Blazers team. I I really hope that, I mean, no, no hate to the Grizzlies because the Grizzlies had a fucking awesome season and, you know, John Morant's the future there and y'all you're in good hands, but give me a trailblazers team that is shooting. Like this offense looks like it is ready to go. It's, firing on all cylinders and let's have them go up against a Lakers in the round one who are mm-hmm. struggling to, to mm-hmm. score buckets like that is and that give me that no series guards. all day, every all day, every day. And 
Gary Trent Jr. is, let me see, he's averaging eight plus three-point attempts per game. He's sinking 60% of them. That seems pretty fucking good. Uh, <laughs> like Mario Hazonia, Super Mario, I remember when he came in and people were excited, but, but it just doesn't really seem like he should be there. Um, I'd be playing Anthony Simons more, but he's there to eat minutes. That's fine. These are seeding games, and even though they have to win them, you also don't want to run people into the ground. Um, the combination of Dame and CJ going up against the Lakers, like the Lakers guards are maybe just bad. It's KCP, Alex Caruso, Danny Green has looked awful, but um, I believe in him. He's, he's, he's great. He should, he's got, he's got championship pedigree. He, he gets the benefit of the doubt and his defense, like he'll be fine. He'll be fine. But then there's Dion waiters who the other game (laughs) took the ball up the court while LeBron was on the court, which was fucking weird. Rondo should be back eventually, but it's still like the Lakers are their front court and God bless Kuzma. He's been doing well. Um, but you know, it's LeBron and it's brow and if no one else can shoot, then they're going to fucking lose, probably. Yeah. Let's let's get into the Lakers, uh, where the Lakers have been struggling. Uh, but first, we're going to take a quick ad break. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we're back. Uh, so, yeah, one of the stories to come out of the bubble, I feel like, has been the fact that the Lakers, their offense just hasn't been able to really kind of click into gear and get going. Individually, people have had good games. Anthony Davis has looked really good. Um, but they're, they're only shooting, what, 25% from three as a team, uh, which <laughs> obviously – Obviously not great. And and we talked about the names who, who are kind of contributing to that. It's just, it's, I guess in my mind, this shouldn't be too much of a surprise. We've talked a lot about this. We know that the Lakers don't really have guard depth, but not only that, it's just like when you're relying on Dion waiters and J.R. Smith to be like viable Save us. contributors, yeah. saviors. Yeah not really exactly where you want to be when you're trying to make a, you know, a a championship run. The Lakers losing Avery Bradley is a little bit tough for them because they did try to structure their team so that their defense would be amazing. Just absolutely incredible. Avery Bradley is a good defensive guard. And the fact that he's not there and that Danny green isn't shooting well, and that KCP, you know, like no one in the backcourt's doing well. But bright side, they they probably can't do worse. 
So all of these numbers are most likely going to rise. Uh, shooting rust is a known thing. You know, people don't shoot as well when you come into a season. There's been a long break, so that's not too surprising. Um, AD looking good is super important, I think. The entire team outside of AD, like, they can't sink their free throws. They take right. the third most free throw attempts in the bubble, and they have the second worst free throw percentage. Not Only great. the Lakers and the Pelicans are shooting under 75% from the line. That means you're losing vital points. Well, free let me points. take that back. These are seeding games, so who cares? Correct. But they weren't a good free throw shooting team regular season either. Right. If they can't sink those, if they're going to go to the line that much, you have to be able to sink at more than that. It's unless your shooting goes through the roof, like you're going to need those fucking points, you know? Yeah, totally. And I, this is actually, I will say, I want to ask you Natty, because I thought of this question when it was after what game was it where AD kind of went off and was, and was having his, having his way. I forget what game, uh, but second game in, yeah. I think so. I think so. Uh, it had me thinking, was that against, that wasn't against the, who was it? The Rockets? No. They played the Clippers first. Now it wasn't that yeah, game. They're playing the, the Rockets. There's been tonight. so many games and they started like one thirty. and. Oh, maybe it was the like, Raptors wait, and they still lost that game or the jazz. Anyway, the Raptors look so fucking good. The Raptors <laughs> do look really fucking good. It was one of those games, but when, when AD went off, it might've been the, against the, the jazz. I think that was the, the game that he kind of balled out. Uh, is AD LeBron's best running mate? Has is he the best player that LeBron's ever played with? I know, you know, whatever, 2013, uh, Dwayne Wade would like a word, but what do you think? So the other possible answers to this question, I think, are Flash, Chris Bosch, Kyrie, Kevin Love. Uh, Zedrunas Olgowskis? No, like, no, no. Who, we can stop at was... Kevin Love. We can stop at Kevin Love. I don't feel like we need to like, like go into the, the best player on archives of the old Cavs. Right, exactly. We don't need to, we don't need to find the best player on Cavs one. Um, so AD is definitely better than Kevin Love. That's just a true thing. Uh, Kyrie has made one of the most important shots in NBA history. AD is sure. Not. Bosch was an extremely good player and then had to lower his profile to join the Heat. And that was voluntary. He could have gone and chased stats or just stayed in Toronto and chased stats. But Bosch was a seriously good fucking player. And as soon as they moved him to center, really, that team like made sense and took off. D-Wade is one of the 10 best guards of all time. And he's a Hall of Famer. Sure. Yep. And here's the thing that really separates AD, I think, from it's the accomplishments. So how how old do you think Anthony Davis is? All right. I'm not looking at basketball reference. Uh, What is he? I feel like he's probably younger than me. So I'll say he's 27. That is exactly right. He's 27 years old. Bingo. How many times do you think he's gone to the playoffs? 
zero, right? I don't think the Pels have ever made it to the playoffs. No, they've gone twice. Oh, okay. So they went in 14-15 and 17-18. Okay. Anthony Davis might have overall the most talent out of all of the players LeBron has played with. I think you can argue that with D-Wade. But he doesn't have any of the accomplishments. Like, he underwhelms when you consider how much talent you think, or he used to anyway, how much talent. Sure, sure. Like, he didn't bring the New Orleans Pelicans teams together, you know? Like, they sometimes looked better without him, or at least played better without him when he was injured. Uh, That's not all the time, and he was on some shitty teams. But the team two years ago, when he demanded the trade, seemed pretty good. And yeah. It's hard for me to say that he's the best running mate LeBron's ever had when we still don't have any accomplishments. Talent-wise, I would still choose Flash, Dwayne Wade, over the brow. But, you know, give Anthony Davis three more years and maybe I'll change my mind. You know, if, if like, if they win this year or if they even have a good showing and if he just seems to be one of the top five players in the league over the next couple of years, without a doubt, then maybe I'll change my mind, but I think you have to stay with Dwayne Wade. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I just, yeah, I think, I think you're ultimately right because while accomplishments are also key into it, let me bring up, let me bring up some D Wade stats. Uh, but D Wade had Shaq early on. D Wade did have so, Shaq. But, but he was also, like when when LeBron came to Miami, people considered him and Wade like almost one A and one B. You know, it was Batman well, and, and Robin. Like these are co equals. And that was and, such. That was like the big thing for D Wade was D Wade being like, "Look, I'll you know, I will let LeBron be the face of my team." And like, and that was. I mean, how many other studs at the top of their game are going to do that? In or you know, I feel like that was the key ingredient sure. to like making making the those Heat teams work was Dwayne Wade being like willing to be one B to to LeBron in his own city. All three of those players had to make changes to their game in order for the Heat to truly blossom. I mean, Chris Bosh had to change his game entirely, entirely. Yeah, D Wade and LeBron kept going back and forth and. The transition, I think, was like sort of hand in hand because LeBron had to change the way he played too. He had to start taking over. He couldn't keep deferring. Right, um, right, right, right. Their their dream of six, seven, eight, nine championships <laughs> was instantly destroyed. But and it was because they they just didn't know how to play together as well as they could. And then Dwayne Wade slowly started to decline, and LeBron continued to ascend and really became a different player. Like when he went back to Cleveland, he was a completely different player than when he went to Miami. And that was really, you know, him learning to be the distributor, the score, like everything on the team. He's, he runs the show and it took Miami and competing with Dwayne Wade to really show him that. So I think it's really hard to change. But the thing with Anthony Davis is that like, obviously LeBron's in charge of the team and he's just happy to be there and no one disputes how talented he is like no one thinks he has a ceiling do you have AD over Kyrie yeah of course 
for sure. Good, good. So, uh, it's. Do you have Kevin AD Love over Kyrie? Healthy, no, I don't. But <laughs> I. But everybody, when that trade happened, everyone was like, "Oh, do you really, LeBron and K Love? Really? Do you need that? Isn't there a better?" We also, I would like to quickly. I would like to quickly put some respect in Kevin Love's name. Kevin Love was a fucking phenomenal player absolutely the timberwolves when that trade was made like i understand that he's now just like this bloated contract that no one wants anymore and yes his play has has taken a hit and that play like i mean when anyone has to play with lebron obviously you have to you know your your game changes because you're no longer the alpha dog especially when you're you know changing from a team where you were to to a team where you're not but this is like i mean the man before he got traded in the year before 26 points and let me think what uh 12 rebounds okay and like 26 and, and 12 all the outlet and shot, passes and like all oh the ridiculous, yeah yeah four assists and he was shooting what almost 40 percent from three that year like mm. the guy was you know i would say cleveland by far won that trade despite giving up the andrew wiggins who everyone was like he's the next <laughs> coming of lebron don't trade him like that was an even trade that people thought at the time. And it clearly has not played out that way. Like, I just, I would like people to just, when they look at Kevin love to remember that Kevin love was, and still is, he's certainly a better basketball player than I will ever aspire to be at right now. But like, is the he? dude, <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. I could score 17 points in the NBA. <laughs> uh, the thing about K love is that he was entirely correct. He, Got a chip, and he made a ton of fucking money. Hell yeah. He knew what he was getting into. He played the game right. You know when yeah. you're going to play with LeBron, like, this is this is how it works. It's like it's like when free agents sign with the Patriots. It's like, I'm going to get a championship. I'm going to have to kind of, like, change what I'm looking for maybe a little bit. Uh, but it's all going to be worth it. And then he makes a fuck ton of money. Good for him. Like, I don't think Kevin Love or his agent anticipated how bad things got so quickly after um lebron left like the team just doesn't seem to be well run and they didn't really let the gm do what he i mean the gm of the Cavs then is the gm what's his name david griffin of the pelicans now and you know they did one of the best trades in recent history with the lakers but it the thing is, it's tough to play with a LeBron because you're, of course, not going to be the alpha dog. And I think that's actually a good reason for why AD might end up being the best running mate with LeBron is it's because he never really felt like the alpha As an dog. alpha. Yeah, that's a good point. And like that helps explain why he I don't he mean wasn't. that he's quiet. I don't mean sure. that, you know, he's like Tim Duncan or anything like that. It's just that, like, he didn't seem to really raise the Pelicans the way that you would think an alpha dog would, you know? And now that he's with one of the five best players who's ever lived and a guy who, you know, it, he's playing for LeBron, really, it's maybe that fits a little bit better. Like, he's... He knows what his role is. He also knows that he gets to grow into inheriting the team. So there's no real gray area. Like he and LeBron seem to be fairly simpatico. It seems to yeah. be a really good pairing so far. Which is super fucking scary for the rest of the NFL or NBA. 
But on the other hand, all their money's tied up in their front court. <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, it, like, what guard, what premier guard do you think the Lakers could realistically get? I mean, there, everyone's been, a, it's Bradley Beal has been the, the pop was the popular combo, but you're doing a trade there. And I don't know what the Lakers have remaining to offer. I mean, I've heard this Kyle Kuzma guy is really good and that everyone wants him. Yeah. Kuzma's in a tough spot too, because he went from playing with Ingram and Lonzo to playing with Bron and AD and he's trying his best. He's absolutely trying his best. He looks pretty good. Um, I don't know. Like, if I was his agent, I don't know what I'd be telling him. Would I be telling him just, like, sit tight? You know, like, you play for the fucking Lakers. Like, eventually, yeah, like, in the next Go win two, a championship. Years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you don't want to end up, you know, playing on the Wizards for nothing. Well, and yeah, and I feel like that's the thing, too, that a lot of people... Not, I mean, maybe not a lot of people that often gets overlooked or often gets maybe uh, diminished is just how hard it is to win a championship. And like, if you have a chance to oh, win it, yeah. stick around and win that championship because it does worlds of difference to how your career is perceived, regardless how you got that championship. Like that, that will forever be on your resume. So like, if Kuz wants to stay on the Lakers for whatever, two, three more years, try to get at least one ship and then go to a team. And then we kind of see him finally figure out what his game is and see an offense that like, you know, works with him and a team that's like, you're our guy or you're our second guy. Let's go. And then he puts together a good career. Like, great. That career is going to look so much better with the one championship than if you're like, let's go get max money now. And you put together a great career, but you're always you like you're yeah you like you said you're on the Wizards and you're getting paid a fuck ton of money, but you're not winning anything. Yeah, one of the reasons that I think we uh, don't feel that way about Barkley as much, like he never won, but we never really thought of him as like he didn't play for pathetic teams. Philly and and uh, Phoenix were really good teams, and yeah. he was an MVP. Like he he was great. Um, it's difficult. It's so 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 difficult to win a ring in the NBA. I mean, look, just look at the history of the sport. Like less than a third of the teams have ever won, and right. most of the good teams are good for like five to fifteen years. You know, it's like if you have the best player, odds are you're going to at least be in the mix if you have, you know, a running mate at least. But it's just still so, 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 so hard. And there's only been one team in NBA history that has won it all without having a max player, and that's the Pistons. But that was a team that just sort of happened, you know. Are you a, that, are you a Pistons fan? I am a Pistons fan. Um, and uh, the reason I bring that up is because that shows you that you it's incredibly difficult to just like cobble something together and like ride momentum. You know, it's not like baseball where it's like, if you get hot in the last month and then right. win the wild card, like you can just go through and mow people down. It's not as well. Football used to be a little bit more random. It's been less so since, Bill Belichick started, uh, but it's 
it's almost impossible to win in the NBA. It really, really, really is. That's why it was such a big deal for LA to get LeBron because he ups your chances by a level of magnitude that almost no other player, but AD might be one of those players. And so if you have two of those guys along with perimeter defense, thank you, Danny green, and hopefully better shooting, then you should be able to have a measure of success. It's not a guarantee, obviously, but you, you have to be one of those players in order to be successful. And, you know, is Kuzma going to be one of the best 15 players in the NBA? Probably not. So yeah, you should stick around with the guys that will help you win and you will make your money later. Also, LeBron has gotten his people paid. Like he doesn't throw people under the bus. He makes sure people get made. Tristan Thompson, like fine. That's, I mean, that's maybe one of the worst things about LeBron GM is that he does pay people, but we shouldn't think of it that way. Obviously pay people. Obviously get paid for what you do. Uh, Before we go, do you have any uh, final thought that you want to make sure you voice about the, uh, the bubble so far? Okay. Let's talk about teams that are shooting well, since it seems like the rust has been on for a bunch of the contenders. Only six teams are shooting at least 40% from the field overall and 40% from three. One of those teams is the Sixers, by the way. (laughs) It's also Portland, Boston, the Spurs, the Clippers, and the Raptors. They're doing pretty well. Let's focus on Boston and Toronto real fast. Oh, if you must, if you insist. Dude, like Gordon Hayward at the end of games with that free throw shooting seems absolutely fucking crazy. Um, I don't want to talk about Kemba's arthritis. Let's talk about uh, closing lineups. Do you think that Tatum will be playing center in this bubble? I in the playoffs. I don't know. I kind of hope. So. I, I don't know. Like Brad, that's the thing. You you hit the nail on the head. Like that's what the Celtics need to figure out. As like this has been the issue at times. Like this was the issue um, with the Heat game. Mm-hmm. was just like when the Celtics have their five best players out there, things aren't quite clicking yet. And so that's like, that's going to be, they need to figure out what is, what is their crunch minutes? Like we need to win this game. Final five minutes. Who's on the court, get us to win the game. Cause the thing is, is what you're saying is true. That like, for me personally, that one of those guys has to be Marcus smart. And you live and Agreed. die by Marcus Marcus taking the final three. But if you put Marcus there, that means one of Gordon, one of Hayward or Tatum is playing center. I mean, we've talked about Marcus playing center too. But so the, and so that's like, yeah, it was, it's going to be interesting to see how that, how that actually pans out and, and works for them because of the fact that, I mean, Daniel Tice has looked pretty darn good uh, in this sure. in this bubble series so far. So it could be something that, like, maybe maybe your crunch minute is you do have a traditional center with Tice, and you're running that for up until like two minutes left, and then you're throwing in Smart, or you're running it up until two minutes, and then you're putting Tice in as a traditional big. Canner's also looked pretty good, uh, especially on the offensive board. So I think there's still a lot to figure out in terms of lineup. There, the nice thing is that the Celtics like 
that that third seed is pretty comfortably theirs. And uh, and with the Sixers, I mean, we know the Magic and Nets are a training wreck. With Ben Simmons missing for the Sixers and the Pacers also missing people, like you know, I don't think the Celtics really need to figure their shit out until round two. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see what the final kind of uh, iterate the final lineup matchup is going to be. Like, I kind of feel like Cantor closing with the offensive rebounds and the fact that he's not a good interior defender means that like teams might try to attack that in the last moments of the game rather than shooting threes, especially if you have great perimeter defense around them. Like, I just. But Cantor, I mean, you want defense when you close. So you have to have Marcus out there and you have to have Jalen out there. Right. You have to have Tatum out there because he's the best player on the team. Right. And you have to have Kemba. And Gordo has looked really good to start the bubble. And so you, I feel like you kind of have to have him too. I sort of feel like Kemba's the least or the is, most expendable that, because really Gordon Hayward say? and Marcus Smart, like all of them can distribute the ball. So like you don't actually need a traditional point guard. Right. His scoring would, I mean, that's tough to replicate, but he's also an undersized guard, you know, like right, maybe right. the defensive thing is, is worrisome. So maybe Kemba doesn't get to close. Like maybe he's like your opener, you know, like you, you play the shit out of the first and third quarters. Sure. And then near the half, we go with our best defensive lineup, but I don't yeah, know. It's so going to be, maybe you go smart Brown Hayward Tatum Tice. Like you, you literally have to have smart Tatum and Brown out there. You have right. to, right. You can't have a closing lineup without those three guys. I just, it, like it would be crazy if they didn't do that. Yeah. Nah, it's going to be interesting. It's, it's going to be, and I think that's like for the East, that's the kind of thing that you have to find, right? You have to find how these teams, like aspects of these teams that they need to work on and like watch that for enjoyment. Whereas the West, I mean, the same is true for like the top seed, like the Lakers, since they've already locked up the one seed, like it's going to be interesting sure. to see kind of how they handle that and how their lineup plays. But like the West, the West is where the action is happening and where the excitement is going to be with the Suns, Trailblazers, uh, and Grizzlies all battling for that eight seed. Can you imagine? Like, it's crazy to me to say that the Suns like have a have a have a playoff chance. You know, like when we walked into yeah. this bubble, there was. Could you picture the Suns winning out all of their games? I don't even still know if that would be good enough to give them the eighth seed, but damn, that would be glorious. Memphis is 32 and 37, Portland's 31 and 38, and Phoenix is 30 and 39. It's absolutely doable. It's fucking and awesome. they look, yeah, it's like Kale Bridges is doing well. I mean, Rubio, DeAndre Aiden had a good game today. Um, they're, they're a fun young team. And yeah, it would just be super the fucking Pacers today. Yeah, yeah, and oh it's, my god, I love it. Yeah, it's just—I mean, it's great that we get to see them. Like, yeah. I'm glad this 22 game notion resulted right, in us right. getting it to see been, like, some I'm glad awesome Phoenix they, games. Yeah, yep, yep. So let's see. Let's look at it before we go. This is this is the last thing we'll touch on, just because it's sure. so much fun to talk about. Uh, Suns final four games are Heat. Thunder, Sixers, Mavericks, Trailblazers. Mm. Final four games are 
or five games, excuse me. They have Nuggets today that are, they're or they're playing that Thursday night. We're recording this Thursday, but you'll listen to it Friday. So they're playing that game will have already happened. And then their final four games, Clippers, Sixers, Mavericks, Nets, and then the <laughs> Grizzlies schedule. Let me see what they've got left. Grizzlies have got Thunder, Raptors, Celtics, Bucks. See, I think I think the Grizzlies are doomed. Yes. So that comes down to Trailblazers Suns. Who's winning more games between Trailblazers Suns? And being I, able to have those last two games be Orlando and Brooklyn. Mavericks, pretty not Magics. Oh, sorry. Oh, but well, still, that's less but cool. still, finishing with the Nets. Right. That's a. That's. I mean, don't count your chickens before they oh, hatch. Yeah, but that's, Timothy Luwawu Cabo. Like <laughs> that's that's seems like a free win. Thanks some shit. The 76ers seems like, you know, the Clippers, who knows? You know, who knows? The, the Suns have already, <laughs> already taken care of that. I don't know. I It's going to be really fun. These are all going to, these both these two teams are going to be must-watch television. I mean, they already are, and they're going to continue to be for the rest of the bubble. Yeah, I'm trying to watch all these Spurs games, too. And then, you know, Sacramento if Bogdan Bogdanovich is going to have a career night all the time and De'Aaron Fox just going warp speed, like all of a sudden it's more interesting than I expected. I mean, all of these teams are still in it. You know, the Pelicans could still make it. Um, All of them could still get into at least the playoff game. It is. If only, if only they were seated in the East. Yeah, and the thing is the that theme, like, the theme of the podcast, these teams like some teams are do or die and are playing every game like a playoff game, and then other teams aren't, and they're sure. being not lethargic, but like maybe we're not playing at a hundred percent. And so it's just awesome to be able to watch Portland like play for their fucking lives as hard as they possibly can, and then sometimes they're going to be playing a team who's like, yeah, whatever. He'll play we'll let you minutes. do that. You go ahead. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, like the Clips game could be that. They're playing the Nuggets tonight. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, so this is it's it's been good so far, and most importantly, everyone's healthy. Everyone's so, healthy. So, knock wood, this has been good. Um, let's keep it going. Yeah, 100%. Keep enjoying basketball, everyone. Uh, that's all we got. Uh, make sure to subscribe to the Fake Teams podcast. We are wherever you find your podcast: iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, that's not only, that's how you'll not only get us fantasy basketball, but also our fantasy football and fantasy baseball shows. Uh, follow us on Twitter at the Long Two Natty. Uh, stay safe, my friend, and until next week. You do the same, man. Be healthy. Let's go, mellow. Yeah, right.